Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity with Susan Shireko, where we help you transform your life by changing what you're telling yourself. Whatever your circumstances, you can experience health, financial security, and a sense of well-being once again. And now, here's your host, Susan Shireko. On behalf of Rebuilding Your Life Radio and the Train Your Brain, Claim Your Power calls, this is Susan Shireko. Welcome. Today, Optimum Vision, um, OV for short, is joining us to talk about his books, starting with To Hell and Back. Now, OV has written several books, but this one is written about his dad. So please wave your hands to welcome Optimum Vision. Hello, OV. Welcome. Hey, Susan. It's good to be here with you and well, uh, and everybody. Yeah, all the listeners, they have so much to gain from you, so we're going to get right into that. Uh, when you first, when we first met on the phone, you mentioned that you resonated with my title, Rebuilding Your Life Radio. Why, why is that important to you? <laughs> it's just that um, I, I was very fascinated on how you want to, you know, get connected with the now. We get hmm. so in hopes of, of the uh, future and or um, why couldn't it have been, you know, maybe the past could have been, you know, why can't it continue? But in reality, it's the now. Uh, and that's Always. what fascinated me is that, that core message of learning how to, okay, the future is cool. The past, yeah, I'm going to have to hopefully get healing in that or just come closure. But it's my now. I got to learn to distract, uh, cut out the distractions in my life so I can enjoy the now. And then when I enjoy the now, it's, it almost takes care of everything itself. But I was just very fascinated to hear it in that perspective. I've heard of different, you know, uh, focal points, but I never really <laughs> You just keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is pretty simple when you come right down to it. <laughs> It's a, it's a very basic philosophy. We we take action in the present, and that's all we have. Everything else is is somewhere else and non tangible. So you've written several books, and I think uh, when did you start to write? How old were you? Ooh, I was a uh, single parent, and it was kind of like uh, um, oh, probably my early forties. I okay. um, got used to at peace at being a, a single parent, so it wasn't more of a, a, a wondering if I was going to, you know, lack somewhere. Was, I was at peace, and I could just start pinning thoughts. And it was a good time to do it. Yes. So, was your the book about your dad the first one you wrote? No, it's uh, maximizing the armor. I uh, it was interesting because I was just like thinking out of trying to make things more fresh. Nothing wrong with the Word of God, but it just seems like there was something completely fresh. And well, like uh, I would have troubles with my elbow or something like that, and I'm thinking God could have created us anyway, but He for some reason created us with an elbow. Well, that gives me leverage. That allows me 
and, but yet my elbow's hurting and I can't do much to it. So I took the, the, the application of blood of Christ on my elbow so that the word of God can have leverage in my life. And it was just the, taking the body characteristics and allowing my life to be ministered to uh, in more of a, like you referenced, a now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to write about your dad? It's just uh, my dad, um, full life. Uh, unfortunately, the love of his life that he met at 13 at the free movies, he was just going to go to the free movies. <laughs> he, he actually found his, uh, his uh, sweetheart there. And um, she passed away, um, like in 2015, and that just took his. It just like it took the life right out of him. Mm. It, he wanted to be here, but he didn't want to be here, you know. And and I had a hard time connecting with him. I could see him starting to disconnect, and I said, "Dad, let's." Um, we were playing pool. He loves to play pool, and it's we're like professionals, but it's like slop professional because we don't really care about the rules. We just want to have a good time. And I said, yeah, we got to write your book. He goes, no, no, wait till later on when I'm gone. You know, no, no, no. You know, so then I just, I just stopped. I, I shot the ball and, and uh, I said, Dan, just before he could, he was starting to concentrate on making his next shot. And I go, Dad, if you were to write a book about your life, what would you call it? And he goes, hell, I'm back. He said, just like that, so fast. I go, <laughs> and we start laughing. I go, well, why? And he says, well, I was in two wars. I was one with Korea and one with my wife. And <laughs> we started busting out so bad. And I just like, subconsciously, while I'm watching this, you know, I put down my sticks and I just play right into it and just get, like you're saying, get in- involved with that now. And I could actually see him come alive. You know, like his wife was there. And I'm thinking, this is it. I'm not going to, I have to ask these, like, uh, interview kind of questions just out of the blue anywhere and just go through his life, you know, and start Mm -hmm. from his childhood. So it was just, it was more of a therapeutic thing for my dad mentally. And then myself as having the real core stuff because it thought it would be so cool. He met his wife at the free movies uh and it'd be so cool that his life with his wife ended up becoming a movie you know and I just, oh yes a neat circle yeah mm-hmm. so you have so you started with questions and you started getting answers from him uh and he was he was very receptive to it and and excited to be talking about his life Yes, it, it went from, you could see uh, his, um, he was like bringing closure to that moment of his life that he kind of like wanted to, wished it never ended because that's how much he loved her and that's how much of an awesome time they had. You know, these they two were like um, Olympic uh, uh, builders in the, in the construction area. He would, <laughs> and it was like they didn't even have to talk about it. 
you know, he built the frame, the foundation, the frame stuff. She would do the finishing and stuff like that. And this, just like clockwork, even though my dad's working full time on another job. And it just, then on the weekend stop and go skiing at the cabin and fishing. And uh, he never took any, he was serious, but he was more, his life is more with his actions than talking about it. And it just, it blew my mind away and see him bring closure with that, knowing that his story was going to be a book and that it could leave a mark on other people. Cause he always told me, Clarence, you know, if you're going to do something, make sure you make a mark so people will remember, you know, that you, that you had that conversation with them or that you had that experience with them. Very awesome. Yeah. So, so were you a single dad at the point that you wrote this with your father? Yeah, I I just made up my mind that, you know, I want to give my kids my all. And uh, they had kids, and I was real proud. Well, then it transpired where my father, you know, lost his wife. I'm thinking, you know, I'm just going to be here for my dad. I'm not going to, um, not nothing wrong with relationships, you know, and having companionship. It's, it's the most awesomest thing on the planet. But, you know, I'm going to give my dad my time. He was an awesome father to me, and he was there for me. I'm going to be there for him. That's beautiful. You know, we don't, we often don't take enough time to be with the people that we care about. We're so wrapped up in our own chatter and our own activities. So it's nice when somebody does take that time. Uh, when did the book come out? 2017. I had to do a um, read. Um, I had to redo some stuff in it, take some stuff out, and uh, it was it came out of the new version in the fall of 2020. 2020. There we go, fall. So it's been wow. over a little about a year and a half. That's that it's been out since the new version came out. Okay. Yeah, it's been out and, all along. I just had to take it off the shelf for a few months and then put it back on. Gotcha. Okay. So so you've you have several books that you've written, and the titles that I've noted all seem to indicate either a biblical or a spiritual, um, you know, uh, connection in some way. Uh, which which writings or people influenced you the most? Oh wow! Um, I don't know if it was a particular person. My Mother, she got caught up into the what they called the charismatic movement in the seventies, mm-hmm. mid seventies, and um, I just uh, we lived on a farm, and I just had the fascination of, of reading the Bible, and I at a young age, in early teens, and I just read and I absorbed it like a sponge, and it and it was weird that I'd actually like visualize actually being there and connecting, not having conversations with, but just, you know, like a, what they'd say, like a fly on a wall or something like that. And mm-hmm. it just fascinated me so much. It just, you know, it'd be really neat to experience these things in my personal life. You know, and I, I liked how Joseph was, you know, taking care of uh, Egypt and stuff and doing all that scheduling and planning stuff. It's funny, I ended up becoming a shipping supervisor and I was scheduling <laughs> and doing all this stuff. And just, <laughs> so 
I, I, to fall in the category, one, be careful what you wish for. It could happen. <laughs> <laughs> which is, yeah, which you think about. <laughs> and, and, uh, so then, uh, is that one particular one that stood out? It was just the fascination of uh, the characters reaching out beyond what they physically could feel now. So anybody mm-hmm. that does that, I'm fascinated to sit down and and either listen or read, you know, what they have to say. That's, do you still maintain an active life with a church type or charismatic type organization? Um, no, not currently. Um, I kind of disconnected, uh, oh, 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like I had that routine for a long time in my life. And then the subjects that I was starting to think about to write, in this case it was maximizing the armor, I go, you know, just for my, no condemnation, no judgment. I need to pull myself out of that because I'm getting used to uh, the routine. I think the routine is dictating, and I need to sit back and just actually absorb, you know, that unique friendship that I have with the creator, which we all have. So I did it for myself to kind of like quiet myself. Mm-hmm. And, and think things deeper and, and get away. And again, and no judgment on uh, the routine or the, the relationship, but it was just I had to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that, I can see myself getting, excuse me, I, I can see myself getting back and involved just mm-hmm. because of uh, the where I'm going to go with a few of these books. You know, they're going to be curious. But uh, right now I'm, I'm quiet. You're quiet. Now, is that, are you a listening quiet? Yeah, observation, listen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that is, I mean, I can see where sometimes when you get so supercharged, is the way I want to describe a charismatic experience or any of the schools like that, you're so high up in the energy field. And then when you leave it, it's such a, a letdown. And that to be mm. able to just calm down and be quiet and and absorb everything that you've taken in at some level of understanding becomes a, an important part of that process. To me, anyway, mm. it would. Because I, yeah. I get really excited when I go to events. I just came from one this week, and, and it's... You, I find myself so involved in what's happening, and then when I get home, it's it's so different. So then I have to calm down, take it in, see what I re- this really was about. <laughs> so you you have another book, and I don't know whether this fits in this or not. I mean, it's called the President's Apocalypse. It's a prophecy. Um, how did you get into prophetic writing? Um, it kind of. I, in the you know the word it talks about a millennial reign, a mm-hmm. thousand years, uh, mm-hmm. you know of, of the transformation of civilization in a whole new dynamic that hasn't been experienced at all. The only ones that come close yes. to experience, as far as I understand, is Adam and Eve. 
Mm-hmm. And now this is on a larger scale. All of creation is. Mm-hmm. So I see, you know, we see how civilization is now, the way it's kind of basically been repeating the cycles. And now that transformation into that, how does that happen? So I wanted to kind of like um, present a view on that transition in a personal way. I do reference in the book a, a lot about Donald Trump, but it's not Donald Trump. It's the um, the type of person, the character that the person has that in it in our leaders are the ones that are going to be really more traumatized than even though it might seem like we're our whole lives have been turned inside out in this transition, or they might be normal. Whatever it is, the leaders that currently had this routine for X hundreds of years or thousands or however dates you want to put on it, is going to break. It's going to change. And so that's why I put Apocalypse on it, which Apocalypse is more of a a revelation. You know, if Mm -hmm. I look at some Mm -hmm. of the other uh, writings that don't come in the normal a uh, traditional Bible, we've got the apocalypse of Adam. We've got the apocalypse of these different patriarchs. It's the revelation. I've usually been trained that apocalypse is, is just like hell on earth. But it's actually a revelation of, of how uh, we thought things were to what they really are. And uh, so that's basically. And then I pull it in as a, a theater grand finale part where it just completely everything becomes eternalized. Now, does this follow closely to what is prophesied throughout the Bible and ultimately in Revelations, or is it your own take on it? Mainly my own take on it, uh, mm-hmm. keeping it more, um, trying to personalize it to the now uh, mm-hmm. versus trying to reinterpret, you know, and put uh, a different spin on it. It's more or less, um, okay, there is going to be this transition. We're going to have to change because there's a lot of things that are not uh, organic. So how do them things change? We have to go to more of an organic lifestyle. Our, Our buildings are whatever. And that transition takes place. Um, but yet the technology advances so far. I even go to uh, through four industrial revolutions. They, you know, they've been telling us there's a pre, and then there's the revolution, and then there's post-revolution or post or There's four re- industrial revolutions, and by the fourth industrial revolution, I'm actually we're actually creating. It's not really it's not artificial intelligence how we have t- been told but it's more of a liquid soul kind of energy, um, not a, a intelligence. So now mm-hmm. we got these, um, we can actually, this is getting way out there, but I would kind of like a sci-fi feel to it to get mm-hmm. people, is that we can actually make these markers. So instead of having a spaceship now, after we get done with the fourth industrial revolution through these thousand years, we can actually have a whole solar system or a whole galaxy become the vehicle that 
that navigates through the whole universe. It, it gets kind of crazy out there, but it, it sparked the imagination of going, not only getting connected with my now, but have the now an open, it's an open book. It's an open book. So you said the, the Apocalypse of Adam, as if there is a book called The Apocalypse of Adam. Yes, I can't. I forget which reference that's in, but it, um, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, from the standard books of the Bible. I mean, some Bibles have extra books, you know, that that are not in all Bibles. And I, yeah. I had to stop and say, is there an Apocalypse of Adam in someone's version of the Bible? I don't think so, but it, it's like a collection. I forget what the name it is. You, you have to, you know. Google it or something at this point because I'm. I was. I know the that, reference, that, but I can't. Right. I I just find that to be you know it's like how many other books exist out there that are, you know, are divinely inspired and yet not everyone is privy to what the books are saying. So you also wrote something called the New Friendship Bible. Now what's that? Sounded very much like what you write about in the Apocalypse. Um, but uh, maybe you can explain it to me. The core behind that, I'm thinking, you know, there's going to come with some time and point the uh, parts, different cultures on the planet that are not really used to uh, the Christendom or the Judaic view um, will be curious. They'll enter a, a curiosity, and it'd be kind of, it'd be really cool to not come across as a denomination or a particular religion, but just the concept, the creator was lonely and it decided to speak creation in existence so that it would have friends, that it would have a friendship with you, with me individually, with all of creation. And, um, and then through this process, uh, we get to have the option of, you know, becoming eternalized. So it, it takes scripture references that we're familiar with, and it creates a, pro, a pre-Genesis book. And it, it, them scriptures that we're familiar with in Christendom uh, and even in Judaism uh, to make that foundation of that thought. And then going beyond the end of the millennium, is pro-Genesis. So in reality, the book is like uh, pre-Genesis, Genesis. We're in this process of Genesis being spoken into existence. And then there's pro-Genesis after that, which creation is eternalized. Hmm. I I think it's this concept of the millennial. I know you mentioned it in the President's Apocalypse, and you repeat it here. And of course, it is a biblical term for when um, after Christ has returned and there has have been the battles and, and the satanic figure is cast into uh, the pit the fiery pit and chained there is a period of peace of a, of a millennial of a thousand years um, is this so this is your version of what will be happening during that millennial uh, yeah the, but it, it's more fleshed out. So now I can mm-hmm. personalize it 
in my own because, you know, it talks about humans living to two, three, four, five. If a human only lives to be a hunt, dies before 100, they're considered a kid. Mm-hmm. So this changes my whole mindset of life where I'm living five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred, perhaps us that are walking into this millennial uh, uh, time phase, we're going to be over a thousand. So what do I want to do in my life? Where where am I at in my life? You know, mm. so now instead of thinking like I got, oh, I'm I'm 30 years old, I've got about 30 good years of my life, and then I'm going to retire and then eventually die. It erases that whole mindset, which it helps facilitate going back to like what you're referencing, the now. Mm-hmm. I got to be mm-hmm. at peace with myself in my now before I can even entertain the idea or get serious about um, pursuing my particular passions that I have uniquely as, you know, as a, a creature that he's created. It's a, it's, it's a fascinating concept to play with because the, um, I don't think they the, the section on the millennial is fleshed out at all in the Bible. It, it's um, to me, it's almost a passing comment, and the uh, and the idea of the of being uh, the the rapture. You know, you're taken out of earthly existence and up to heaven, but that's one group of people. And then there's another. You know, who are the people that are here to do the millennial? Are they the people who were the also-rans, they didn't make it? Or does everybody come back and become part of the millennial? Yeah, it it gets kind of, um, it's kind of like a bunch of fragments together. Uh, Don't really question it because it's, you know, it's the word of God. But at the same time, I need to flesh that out in a real sense so that we can start to embrace it more than, um, well, okay, I'm 40 years old. I got maybe 20 years left and then uh, this blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't know how, you know what I'm saying? It takes my mind yes, and I starts do. focusing on that. So now when I'm focusing on that, everything else starts to fall into place. And now there's better, there could possibly we go on, that's how we started in the conversation about, you know, be careful what we think about because mm-hmm. now it starts to manifest in our life in the now. So yes. the idea is now, and then going back to the New Friendship Bible, um, or another way of saying it is that I want to introduce evil. Um, what My concept of evil is different than everybody else's. Uh, um, sin, um, they seem to be all abstract. So then that kind of pursuit, I got to come up with something that no matter what my background is, my experiences, I can relate to it. Self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that makes it clear. Self-centered. That's self-centered, self-centered spirit, or I like better now self-centered love. It comes across as I'm loving this person, but I'm actually being self-centered to the point that when they get in a vulnerable position, I plan on using or taking what they have. That's self-centered love. That makes more sense. 
clear, it's clear, I should say. Unconditional love when that's more of what we get in Christ. I'm, I'm balanced. I, I'm at peace with who I am. And, and then that unconditional love is broken up into five characteristics and blah, blah, blah. But the idea is that now, as I yield to allowing unconditional love to um, minister to me, that it completely heals my past, it completely restores my present, and it completely eternalizes my future. Now I'm set up my mindset framework that I'm going to be living to be 100, 120, 150, 300, 400, 600. And so now we see that transition of, of from going from a self-centered mindset. Well, it justifying myself. I got to survive. I got to protect myself. I got to do this. I got to do that. And then I can justify. A lot of it makes sense, and I'm not judging it, but it's actually holding me up from going farther. So that was just the, the process. What's other cool thing about the New Friendship Bible is when I came to the um, – four Gospels, the four accounts of Christ, I wove them all together. I didn't add or subtract. So it was very fascinating that you take, now instead of reading each count and seeing each count as it is, you read all four accounts for that, whatever reference it was, for mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that paragraph of weaving them together, I put the reference that we normally see them in our traditional uh, Bibles that we, you know, that we have access so it was just neat to see just even the uh, the different events that took place actually treated like a fifth gospel but it wasn't but it was more of a whole together mm-hmm. and just wow yes it, it's interesting that's interesting because i i did something similar not too long ago uh as I shifted in, I've been reading the Bible start to finish and I've gotten into the gospel and found that I wanted to hear what the different uh, disciples said, the apostles, in their version of the same story. So it was very interesting to see, you know, how close they are um, and yet so so different in their wording. Uh, did you, I know this is something where you've been thinking in terms of the the future when you're going to be out there a thousand years for the millennial and your part in that, have you thought about what it would be like for you, what you would want to contribute? Susan, Susan, Susan. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Um, And it's just more of like being not a prophet or a guru or bling or a teacher or whatever, but it's more of helping like yourself, uh, you know, to the person individually in, in getting used to the now. Um, and this would probably be the other component as a collective, as a creation, where I'm allowing that unconditional love just to saturate my life so much I got it down into five components, and then I can take five steps in each component. Um, I'm going to be releasing here soon, hopefully in the next few years, uh, what I call the Rosetta Stone of Unconditional Love. 
So mm. now I can sit down on this uh, Rosetta Stone of unconditional love, and if I'm honest with myself, I can see right where I'm at. And the ideas in these five areas, I want to go to the center, which is complete unconditional love, which is, in your case, uh, I'm living completely in the now. So now we have couples that want to find out where they're at in their relationship. They can find out where they're at in unconditional love. And they can concretely um, move ahead in a realistic way together. Now I'm bought into this as a couple in this example. Now I can uh, be, do this with my children, our children that they're growing up and they start to understand, you know, and they communicate and stuff. So it would be cool. I can see uh, a Rosetta Stone with just maybe two. I'd like to have like seven on it because I think as we live longer, we're not going to really be interested in having kids, you know, stacked all in there at once. We might have kids, you know, this is crazy, every 20, 30 years apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because time is not relevant a, that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it, it allows me to enjoy the process of that child independently versus, the, you know, sharing with siblings and stuff like that. So it's just uh, opening up our mindsets to receive. And then what happens is as we receive the unconditional love, saturate, there's no self-centeredism in us per se. You know, there might be a small percentage, but the idea is they have zero. Well, that self-centered, in the new friendship, but I point out that there wasn't, uh, to clarify like the tree of good and evil and the tree of life, I went into where it's going to be, uh, will go into where it's uh, the tree of unconditional love and the tree of self-centeredness, love. Mm -hmm. So the idea is we release this self-centeredism in us to be at total peace with our lives, with our creator as friends. That all goes back to the tree of self-centeredism. And that's where he commanded that to be in all that. That, that spot. So when it comes towards the end of this cycle, when unconditional love is in all, it says that God's going to be in all, with all, through all, and beyond. His unconditional love is going to be in us, with us, through us, and beyond all of creation to the point where the lamb lies down in peace with the lion. Mm-hmm. And it says that creation is waiting, anticipating the fullness of man to be revealed. Our fullness is when we're relying on unconditional love just to saturate our whole beings in the now. So, so now I have another question it. for you. You 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 can see this and feel this when you're writing this, what this world is like. Well. Yeah. What do you send back to yourself from there? To you now, in this presence, I mean, there is no past, present, future. It is all one time. It is all parallel. You know, reach across through the, you know, elixir of light and you find it. But if you are looking back at yourself now, the writer who who has created this, and you're coming from that, what does that do to your life in the present as you do, as you live it now? It brings more 
peace in my life. Um, I uh, don't, when I see things happening around me, it's easier for me to put it in that perspective and look at it as this is, you know, the phases that we're going through. If it's personal loved ones, then I just quiet myself down and I listen. I've learned, I thought I listened, but I, I, I learned that I can be a better listener by actually, you know, getting into the, their life as much as I can, what they're talking about. So, um, that, and then it also gives me the energy to keep moving. Now that I'm at peace at being a single parent, seeing my children, raise their children, seeing how they're interacting with their children. My oldest grandchild is 17, almost 17 and a half. My mother and father, you know, I love them. They went through their process. They have, you know, are gone. Now it's, now it's me. Now I, mm-hmm. I need to focus on my now and being able to come up with some simple tools. And that's why I was referencing the Rosetta Stone of Unconditional Love, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where I can mm-hmm. tangibly find out where I'm at. So there would be some, you know, either podcasts or webinars and in, in a couple books to to um, help um, people understand that. So that gives me the framework uh, to move in and then uh, that other stuff fits right in with it as I'm moving forward. There's, and I'm not trying to toot my horn or nothing, but there's like a hundred more books in my head or my heart that I want to actually. But I think, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> wait a minute, OV. <laughs> well, if you have if you if you have a thousand years to write them, there'll be plenty of time to do that. <laughs> and you'll be yeah, and you'll be holding our hands as we move forward with you and discover you know, that that which you have have been that which you have experienced in the future in the millennial that you bring back to us. And that is a, you know, that is a beautiful space from which to operate. Um, it's, it's the transformational way to operate. When, when we talk about transformation being, you know, moving in from where we are in circumstances that we don't necessarily want to be in, but we can move away from that to circumstances that we'd love. And most of us think in the realm of 10 or 20 years, but if if you ask us to stretch far enough, a thousand might be okay. <laughs> so. it, yes. It just, uh, it, it helps me relax. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can see where it would. Like you said, that, you know, there's really, there's really not uh, a past or or future. There's just a now. That's right. yeah. And I've been so programmed to see these clocks and see these schedules and routines and and what happens at this all around me. But when I stretch it out to be a thousand, but in reality, I'm I'm eternal. He's yeah. created me to be eternal, and so now I I, I I'm not going to experience death. You know, I'm not saying this so in a positive way to be in denial. I might pass away, but honestly, the more I think about this, I don't think I am. 
We're going to actually mm-hmm. uh, translate into, because it says, you know, the immortal will be with the mortal. So transmute. Just, transmute might be the better word. Isn't or trans like the transfiguration to watch our energy shift from the physical into the spiritual and know that it's still there. Yes, and still be one, which is real mm-hmm. uh, a finite, uh, f- a fascinating dynamic. And then Christ, when he came back, you know, uh, they were kind of like stunned and they thought, well, he was a ghost, but he wasn't. But he said, just touch me, you know, mm-hmm. they touch you. And then he would eat, and they're just like that whole idea. And then he walked through a wall, but yet he was physical. So mm-hmm. that that fat, that part we get to, I believe, enjoy that. Yes, interesting. Because he said that we are going to do greater things than him. It's not that we're better than him, but our friendship with him, we're going to allow him to do it through us instead of just directly as one entity, you know, the Son of God is actually doing through us. And that's one of the things that brought him into treating us from the beginning, thinking, I can create, and I can do all these, but you know what would be better? It's if I had friends. Mm-hmm. And I could create with them, through them. I could exponentially create, which is just mind-boggling. Well, I must say this has been a fascinating conversation. We could go on in this way for hours <laughs> in <laughs> cross space and time. But tell us, where are your books available, Ovi? Amazon.com. They, they, uh, uh, the publisher, Trafford's been putting them on Amazon. So you just uh, type in uh, if you type in the title, you're going to get all kinds of stuff. It's better just to put Optimum Vision. And, there and how do you vision spell vision? V-I-Z-H-A-N, mm-hmm. which ironically I got that from just – it's the phonetic spelling of vision. <laughs> oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And what have you done to make people aware of, of what you've been writing? Well, I talk to interesting people like you, and uh, I, it's all in the fundamental stage. I mm-hmm. haven't really built up anything. You're helping me um, move out in that area. You know, with I, my dad, closure with everything was this last summer, so I haven't really had any. That's why I'm getting excited to actually start building, you know, a marketing program and and uh not just the market but connect with people. Mm-hmm. And then let and what would that you, testimony. Yeah. What would you like to see happen with the books? Uh transform people's lives. You know, it's it would be really cool that they um looked at their lives themselves in a whole in a whole new way that encourages them to reach out for something that's eternal right now versus like oh I just wish I could leave or I wish this or I wish that. Is there anything just else like you'd you love? Mm-hmm. Um, 
No, I just, one day I hope to uh, put them all on movie form because uh, we can listen, we can read, but movies have a way of uh, really connecting and manifesting what is trying to be said. We can only say so much with our words and then it's up to my own imagination what them words might be. So I might write it for, you know, all referencing to just an example as A, but when another person reads it in their personal experiences, they get B out of it, which is okay. But now if I had a movie to articulate that and manifest it, it would get closer to it in A, not that I'm trying to keep it pure, but to uh, explain it in a better way. That people really got what you were trying to, or understood what you were trying to say. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for being on the program, you know, Ovi. It's, and we're going to thank our listeners as well. Uh, as a reminder, we've been speaking with Optimum Vision about his book, Helen back to start with, but then he has so many other titles that they're all there in our discussion. So thank you again, Ozzy. This has been a, a nice trip down uh, our prophetic and uh, me- metaphysical journey. Yes, it's uh, honor and privilege, Susan, to be here with you and with your audience. And uh, I really hope to see you all and connect with you all someday. Wouldn't that be lovely when we all get to see one another again? (laughs) Well, that's a wrap for us today, folks. Uh, I want to say goodbye for now and wish you all a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for tuning in today. If you've been inspired by this show, leave a rating or review on iTunes and visit www.rainbowsoverruins.com to receive a free chapter from Susan's book. On behalf of Susan Shereko, this has been Rebuilding Your Life, Moving from Disaster to Prosperity, Sharing the Journeys of Those Affected by Sudden and Great Loss, and What They Did to Heal, Rebuild, and Where They Are Now.